regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. And off we go. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. I'm your host, Jacques Hopkins, and right over there is our co-host. What is going on, Dr. K? Oh, I'm up here. I'm excited. I'm all excited to record a video in a couple days, and so I'm going to head to the barber shop today and get a beard trim. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's getting pretty long and scruffy here, so I was curious, Jacques, uh, when are we going to see you sporting a beard? Sporting a beard? I Man, I, I can't grow a beard. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, I mean, I, I've got some stubble. I can grow out a little stubble. But what you've got going on right now, which the listeners can't actually see, is very impressive. And I've always been jealous of people that can, can grow lush beards like that. Nice. Well, yeah, maybe you should go for the mustache then. Can't do but, it. But uh, <laughs> I think I'm stuck with the beard for good. Uh, I actually grew my first beard right before I met Val. and. So about two or three months into dating her, I clean shaved and her reaction was like, ugh. (laughs) And I was just like, uh, she kind of gave me a little complex here. I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea I was like this hideous wildebeest for the first 30 years of my life. But happy wife, happy life, sticking with the beard. There you go. Well, maybe someday. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of kind of cleaning up things a little bit, I've recently just like did a full cleanup organization. Uh, cable management in my office and I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling really good over here. It's like, awesome. I'm, it's like I'm clean shaven, you know? And uh, man, do you work better when things are just tidy and clean or, or do you just not care at all about that stuff? No, I'd work better that way. I'm not great at doing it. <laughs> so <laughs> just, just being totally honest. I had a roommate in college who every time he really needed to, to, to like do his homework or study, he would always really just clean and tidy and make like everything had to be perfect before he could study or do his homework. And I thought he was so crazy because I, I was in college, I was a total slob in high school. Um, but I've, I've done a complete 180 and I'm like that now as well. And my office has never been just as tidy as it's been. And I'm, ex- I'm so excited because I feel like I'm just going to be able to focus better than I ever have been. Awesome. Well, that looks fantastic. Well, it looks the same on camera to you because all my junk and stuff is hidden off camera, but now, <laughs> now it's tidy. So, uh, so look, did you, and this is a question for the listeners as well. Did you do your homework? I did. Yes. I listened to the book. Okay. So you went the audio route. It's a it's quick, quick and easy book, right? Yes, it is. Cool. So six to seven figures. We talked about it briefly last week. I told you, everybody listening, that's your homework because We'd be having the author of that book on today, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing. We'll be playing a full conversation between myself and Austin Netsley, the author of From Six to Seven Figures here in a little bit. You did your homework. That's awesome. I hope those of you listening did your homework as well. We'll talk, we'll talk in a little more detail about the book and Austin and the conversation um, after the fact. But this is, you know, it's, the book is very much focused on, on like operations, right? Right systems, team. And as you've probably noticed, we've been talking a lot about operations lately. I mean, you just looked two episodes ago, we had Natalie Gingrich on and uh, that was completely focused on on operations. But 
a lot of times this podcast goes in the direction of like what's happening with me and my business right now. And I've been very focused on operations right now because I think dialing in your operations is one of those things that can help take you from six to seven figures. Now, the premise of the book, I think we touched on this last week a little bit, is the things that you did to to get you to six figures are not necessarily the things that you need to do to get you to seven figures. What what is that what does that mean to you, David? Have, having read the book, what does that mean to you? Well, I, I mean I just agree with the premise is that you can drive basically the first thing you do when you're an entrepreneur is you create your own job. And that means that this business is bringing enough money in that you reproduce your income if you were working for somebody else, but that's not a business. So then it's it's how do you take it to a business where you can be be the leader and uh, just take it to that next level. Yeah, but a lot of people, you know, when they're starting out to to become a course creator, a lot of people listening to this podcast probably aspire to be a six-figure course creator. Like that's the big goal for a lot of people. Why do you think that that's the goal and not not seven figures? In your, in your opinion, like what's the difference between the two? Well, it's just the first goal. I mean, the first goal is yeah. is freedom. It's it's being able to quit your job. I mean, you you as an example, Nate is an example. This idea that that the course sets you free, but then you wake up one day and a certain amount of people that create a course, especially let's say people that are doing the two times a year, three times a year launch cycle, they're like, I created my business. But uh, when I was early in business, um, you know, I had my business where it was bringing in $200,000, but all the money was going out the door. Mm-hmm. And I remember I called my dad one day and I said, I said, dad, uh, you know, I just complained to him. And he said, David, you're 28. You have a business that's succeeding you own your business, you aren't allowed to complain. And I said, I don't own my business. It owns me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so you can have a business that's thriving and still feel that you're, you've got some handcuffs on. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. And that's exactly the type of thing that, that Austin helps people with. And this book helps, helps people with. So there's, when, you're, when you're starting out, when you're climbing up the ladder to get to six figures, in my opinion, there's a lot of grinding. There's a lot of figuring it out. There's a lot of failure. And once you get there, things aren't necessarily dialed in, but you found some level of success. And Austin's point is that if you just keep that grinding and keep keep making um, uh, going going down paths that aren't super calculated, where there's a lot of risk and you don't have a great team on board, then you're just going to keep struggling to to a large extent. And we've got to have way more operational efficiencies. We've got to have way more systems, a great team on hand and so on to really climb up and get to that seven figure mark. Now, I, I don't know about you, but like I never really aspired to be a seven figure course creator. Like that to me from the outside seemed like it was going to be too much work, too much headache, too much responsibility. I got into this to have some freedom to replace my income as an engineer, but I didn't want to create this this thing that I couldn't control, and it and consume me, and I ended up having to work a hundred hours a week. But that's that's not what we're talking about here. And if you look at the seven figure course creators that we've had on the show, we've had we've had plenty. The two most recent ones that come to mind, Abby Ashley. We've talked about her many times. I like to look at the, the whys here. You know, she's certainly a seven-figure course creator, but she's not working crazy hours and she's doing the things that she wants to do. She's she's employing 15 people. And, you know, since I talked to her, she's probably hired a couple more at her at her pace. And most of those people she's hired 
since the pandemic started, right? You know, un- unemployments are at all-time highs and she's hiring people. Jason Dion is, is, is killing it and he employs several people and um, he's helping people all over get their IT certifications and change their lives. And he's been able to move his, his family to Puerto Rico. So my point is that I never aspired to be a seven-figure course creator, but now seeing other people, seeing people like Austin talk about it, it's like, it's more about the why, what, what this enables you to be able to do. And you'll be able to hear in just a minute, that's actually the first question I asked Austin. It's like, okay, you've got this book, it's called From Six to Seven Figures, but let's start with the why. Why would somebody ever want to do that? And for me, that's why. And for me, like I can just reach more people. And the more times people come to me and like, hey, Jacques, I can actually play piano now. That's what keeps me going. And the more, the more I can scale this business up, the more I can impact people like that. I have a, of a success story from one of my students from two days ago. I'd love to share with you. This person, does that sound good? I'd love to hear it. Yeah. This person, her name is Teresa. She looks like she's probably in her, in her 20s or, or early 30s. I've never met her. I haven't heard from her since she signed up for my piano course several months ago. And she posted in our Facebook group two days ago with her playing a song on the piano. And um, here's, here's what she had to say. And then I'll, I'll, I'll play a little snippet from her playing because that's, that's the real testimonial for, for, for a music course is actually hearing them play. So here, here's what she had to say. My New Year's resolution for 2020 was to learn piano and to be able to enjoy making my own music. Until now, my piano had been collecting dust since I was a little girl when I took traditional lessons. When the pandemic started, I purchased an online improv course, Piano in 21 Days, and invested countless hours in improv techniques, ear training, and music theory. I'm still hesitant and learning. However, overall, so happy with the progress I've made since March. I never thought I would be able to look at a song's key and major chords and be able to fill in music on my own. I would highly recommend his course for any skill level, including beginners. Can't wait to see where music takes me in 2021. Let me play for you in the audience a little clip of what Teresa sounds like. It really blew me away. One second. All right, so here's Teresa playing a uh, Billy Joel song. Let's see if you recognize it. Big man, pretty good, huh? That's impressive. Yeah, it's wild to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep this going at a little bit lower volume, but it's just wild to me that like I did not know who this person was, and then all of a sudden, you know, this this video, this her playing, this post comes into my world. I mean, I get multiple people signing up for my course every day, and so I can't just like personally know everybody. But this pops up. She's been working clearly hard at it since I guess March, putting in a lot of time and effort, and um you know, she's obviously put in the work herself, but she's, you know, she gave very high praise to the course. And uh, not to say that she wouldn't be playing today if she would have taken another course, but it's my course that she took. And the the hard work that I put into my course 
is um, is what allowed her to to learn from me from the from the methodology of learning piano that I have, and and now she can play. I mean, I don't think I could play this song as well as she's playing it. It's it's pretty impressive and really blew me away when I saw this. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, I got to say, so at some point you invited me into your Slack channel for Piano in 21 Days. And so I'll jump in there every couple of days and just see if anything's going on. And Emily has now started sharing uh, every day or two. She shares a testimonial from one of your students. And I just love that uh, everybody that's on your team gets to gets to start the day with why, you know, she's on that different time zone. So each time I pull it up, usually there's another another testimonial and they're inspiring as, as just somebody that's cheering you on and your business success. But I do have to say, like, you've really got to start doing uh, a weekly or monthly emails that are getting those testimonials out to people that are are in your audience and they're they're on the fence we got to get those out to the fence sitters well you know that's a system that's a system system. that i that i need to have dialed in that i don't yet because testimonials are just a massive part of a successful online course business and while i do have systems in place for collecting testimonials and doing certain things with them i don't think that i'm doing near enough i don't think near enough people have seen that video of Teresa playing that billy joel song and that's what we're talking about today is systems. And that's that's one of many systems that, that I've noted down that I need to have dialed in and, and set up better as I was reading six to seven figures. So we've kind of, we've talked about the why clearly. Am I a seven figure course creator? Well, 20, 2020 is in the books and uh, I just wanted to crunch some numbers really quick. In terms of just course sales from my piano course alone, in 2020, uh, didn't quite hit the million dollar mark. For 2020, we brought in 938,000, uh, 938.2,000 in course sales. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And um, that's, that's amazing. If you would have told me that a, a, few, a couple of years ago that, that I would be able to bring that in, Piano in 21 Days would be able to bring that in in just one year, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, we haven't crunched the final, like final, final numbers for 2020 yet in terms of like affiliate sales and, you know, a- Amazon affiliates and, and any other income streams other than just course sales. So it's possible we hit, hit that seven figure mark overall, but not sure yet. But that's, that's the number from just course sales. But that number is just, it's so much more than that, right? It's, it's Teresa playing piano. It's so many other people, hopefully actually playing their piano and having um, fun at it at this point. So all that being said, um, let's transition into this uh, conversation with Austin Netsley. Um, I first heard about him from Abby Ashley in episode 160 of this podcast. Um, she very much attributes a lot of her success as a company to um, Austin's training. It's called 2X, uh, 2X Growth is a coaching program, training program that they offer. And, and really, you know, this book is, is somewhat of a funnel into that, but there's a lot of great information in the book alone. Like you don't need just the coaching program, but the coaching program could be a, a, a good fit for, um, for some people out there. And he'll talk about who might be a good fit for that program as well. And they, they guarantee results. It's, it's pretty amazing. But after Abby mentioned it, um, I immediately, like immediately read the book and then uh, I posted something about it in our in our community. I think I even tagged Abby. And then within within twelve hours, not only had Abby connected me to Austin, but Austin had re- you know replied to that and was like thrilled to come on the podcast. And he's just such a 
he he's just comes across as so genuine, so polite, so generous. Uh, he's got an awesome, awesome offer for uh, listeners, um, a way to get a copy of the book for free. You'll hear that at the end of the conversation. So that that's that's the story. So this is the the author of um, Six to Seven Figures, Austin Netsley. So David, let's let's play it, and we'll come on the back end and and um, and talk about it for everyone. Okay, you're supposed to say okay, okay. Say okay, Jacques. Let's do it. I'm so excited. About All this. right, roll that, roll that audio. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, here's the full conversation between myself and Austin Netsley. Austin, welcome to the online course show. I am excited to be here. Uh, you're a friend of Abby Ashley's, who's a dear friend of ours here at 2X. So uh, she said awesome things about you, Jock, and love what you're up to. Love to hear a little bit more about your story with the piano course. Uh, so we're going to have some good things to talk about today, but thanks for having me. Cool, man. Yeah, happy, happy to share that as well. Um, the, the way I'd like to start, if that's okay, is I'd like to start more about the why. You know, the, there was a lot of hows in your book. And, and man, I've been, I've been talking about your book on the podcast. I've read it. Uh, a cool. couple of times, and I'm starting to go through the audio now as well. But let's start with why. Like, what if we have a listener out there who's low six figures, pretty comfortable, making more than they were at their full time job? Why would they even want to aspire to get to seven figures? Uh, it, it's a huge target that people have, and it's just a number. It's just a fake number. So when we break it down, most people actually don't even want to get there. People really actually want. They, 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 that's what they say they want. They want to you know, have a million-dollar business just to say that, right? And that's our ego speaking. But when we really break it down, most people actually don't want that. They want more freedom to spend time however they want with their family. They want more consistency so they can sleep like a baby at night and not have all this stress that, that's caused in a business. And so many you know, online courses are just up and down. You know, They do a launch and, and they make some good sales and then it's right back to close to zero the, the, the next week. So they want that consistency. They want that freedom. And they want to ultimately have a purpose for their life. These things far outweigh even having a seven-figure business. But people think that they want a seven-figure business. So that's what we help people do. And again, they realize along the way that there's other things that are even more enjoyable. Yeah. It seems like it's more about what it represents for you. And I'll tell you about the the majority of the course creators I've had in this podcast would fall somewhere probably in that six-figure range. Yep. There's way more six-figure course creators than seven-figure, but the ones that I've had on that that shared that they've they're bringing in more than a million dollars in a year, they're the ones that that do have the most freedom and they seem to be the happiest. Not because of, of the money necessarily, but just because of the impact they're having, the freedom they have, all the things you're talking about. And at the end of the day, I guess that's the types of things that you 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 were talking about here with the seven figures. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's a scorecard, right? It's a scorecard of the uh, level of the game that you're playing. It's a scorecard of the impact that you're making. And that impact is just so much more important than the dollars amounts, right? So you need a certain amount coming in to cover all your means. But it's really, once you cross that seven-figure mark, very little changes, right? It, it changes in the journey from going from, let's say, 200,000 up to a million. You change a ton and your mentality changes. But I think a big reason why people want to get to that seven figures is to have some confidence and have some belief and, and separate themselves from the pack. Because like you mentioned, there's just so many more six-figure creators. In fact, as we talk about in the book, only 4% of all entrepreneurs in the US get to that magic million-dollar mark. Uh, so it's not easy. But uh, you know, as we're kind of talking about, it's not even really the goal. The goal is to figure out what you really want, what that dream life look, it looks like, and 
create your business to be a vehicle or a tool to help you get there, whatever that is. Because some people are totally cool making 80K a year and making a certain impact and just you know being at home with their kids every day and picking them up from school. You know, once the world gets back to normal and everybody has school. Um, so like whatever your vision is, that's perfect, right? That's perfect. Let's design your business to create that. That's our goal at 2X. Yeah, I had that I had that number written down ready to talk about next, man. Cause I, I remember in your book you said 96% of businesses never reach that seven-figure mark. And so far we've talked a lot about the the why, but Let's talk next about what that means uh, from a financial perspective, because I'm assuming you're talking about revenue, right? What are your yeah. thoughts overall by by touting our revenue numbers versus profit versus any other number? Yeah, I really struggle with the way that the uh, online world, myself included, talk about revenue. Because at the end of the day, you can make a lot of revenue, but if you're not keeping anything in the bank account, if you're fighting month to month to pay your bills, if you've got it up and down, if you're stressing out about money like 99% of entrepreneurs are, like that's not success in my opinion, right? So we do have to talk uh, as a second uh, conversation about cash and cash flow and something very important that most starting entrepreneurs and even people that have been in business for five plus years, most don't really know their true profit margins and most aren't definitely working on the right activities that are, that are going to improve those profit margins. So there's a big, big difference between revenue and cash and cash uh, flow. And we've got to make sure to understand the difference between all three and really optimize all three for sure. So a couple of things related to that. So the difference between cash and cash flow is cash is like, what do you have in the bank right now? And what we want to have is three months of our average expenses just in the bank that we don't touch. That's the new zero. If you do that, then you don't have to like go and scrap every single week. We've got so many clients that come and start working with us that they're fighting every single week or every at least every single month to bring in new leads and sales because like they don't have a ton of reserves there. Like they're just trying to get by and they're just scraping by and they don't have a ton of profit. So we want to have cash to be in what we call the power position. Then you want to have the systems and structure and flow in place so that you've got continuous cash coming in uh, where you're profitable. And uh, obviously, driving a revenue, which you can reinvest back into the business as well. But uh, again, big difference between revenue and cash flow. Three months of uh, three months of expenses in the in the bank, incredibly important, man. Um, about a year ago, pre pre initial lockdowns, pre pandemic, I didn't really have that in the bank. I had very little just saved. I was just kind of spending what what we made for the most part. And then the the, the pandemic hit, lockdown started. And for the first couple of days, I was freaking out because I didn't know what was going to happen to my business. Thankfully, I'm one of the businesses that did well with the lockdowns, right? People, people have a um, learning piano on their bucket list. A lot of people staying home. My business did really, really well and continues to do very well. But thank goodness it didn't go the other way. And because it did so well, I now have three months uh, and more of expenses in my bank account. And just the, the mindset of how you run your business when you've got that margin versus nothing is completely different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a big shift that you have to make. Uh, and again, as people start to, to get into the multiple six figures, they have to make that at some point is to like separate your personal financials from your business yeah. financials. And just like take a step as we, we call it, taking a step into actually being a CEO. So there's several stages. Like you start out as, you know, potentially a, uh, what's, the, what's the contractor called? A freelancer. So you may start out as a freelancer, kind of dabbling on the side a little bit. Maybe you come up with support. Maybe you're making just a little bit of money. Then you go to a solopreneur and like you really start to, hey, um, I'm going to go for this. I have a brand. I started social media, whatever. Then we go to an entrepreneur. 
hustling entrepreneur where you have a couple maybe part-time employees and contractors. And then we want to make the leap all the way up to being a CEO and then a business owner. And the CEO and the business owner treat their business completely different than a solopreneur or a starting hustling entrepreneur, right? We're thinking more stuff to do, whereas the CEO is making decisions based on the numbers, based on the financials, uh, investing into the business, building it as a machine, not necessarily just scrapping day to day uh, and not hustling and grinding because we can only rely on hustle and muscle so much. Yeah. And, and look, I never really aspired to be at that point. Like when I, I wanted to create the most, like the easiest possible business to run, I wanted no employees. I wanted very little help. I wanted to try to do it all myself and just build a, a business that really served me. But I, I found that as my product helped more and more people, like the only really way to scale this was to, to find great people to help me and to, to have systems to go along with it. And we're getting better at better at both parts, but your, your book has inspired me to, to that, that there's so even so much room, um, for growth in both of those areas for my company. So my next question is like, where, where did you learn this stuff? Like what, what's your background and how'd you come across all this awesome stuff? Yeah. Uh, through trial and error, <laughs> um, my background. So I, I went to college, uh, to, uh, get a mechanical engineering degree. And I did zero days of actual mechanical engineering, but I wanted that fundamental engineering knowledge and base because I was going to combine that. I had this, when I was 18, I had this trifecta of an idea that was going to take me up the corporate ladder. All my family was in the corporate world. So I, like, I was like, all right, I'm going to be a CEO of a large company. So I had this plan and get my mechanical engineering degree. I was going to go back and get some sales experience, which I, at the time, super introverted, nerd engineer, like sales was a big step for me, but I wanted to learn the sales world. And then combine that and go back and get my MBA. That those three things was going to be my trifecta that was going to take me up the, the up the corporate ladder and the fast track. Uh, so I started down that path. I worked for a big oil company. Was out in sales. Got some experience there. Uh, knocked to they, they say to kind of knock the nerd off of us. And then um, started to to go back and get ready to get my MBA. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm not jealous of any of my managers there. I don't want to be any of them. I don't want that life. I want more control and more impact in these different things. So I'm like, all right, I'm not going to go get that MBA. And I took a hard left and went towards uh, my own businesses. And uh, long story short, this is now my fifth business. So throughout the, the times, I've had it different agencies, different online businesses, courses. I've worked with a ton of entrepreneurs and then ultimately started doing some coaching where with coaching, I've learned and got to see so many different businesses, how they structure. But all the time, my mind always worked as a mechanical engineer. So it all came full circle that now what we do is help people turn their business into a machine by focusing on systems, by focusing on operations, by focusing on efficiencies and, and taking the simplest and most direct path to things. So it comes full circle there. But uh, So combine the mechanical engineering and that mentality with the systems and structure throughout my uh, career, and then tacking that on with being exposed to so many different businesses and having so many different businesses myself uh, has led us to be like, all right, we figured out a blueprint for here's a simpler, better way to scale. This is where most people are messing up. This is something that works over and over and over again across so many different industries, especially with online businesses. So let's put that together and share that with the world. There's some similarities in our story, but there's one very distinct difference um, that, that a path that you took that I went the other way that shows why you are where you are. It's very interesting. I love to talk about that, but I don't know if you know this, but I went to school for engineering as well, electrical, mm. LSU, go Tigers. Nice. Um, and then I went to work in kind of the oil field as an engineer. And I read 4-Hour Workweek shortly after it came out. And, and that really opened my eyes to 
possibly being an entrepreneur for the first time in my life, but I didn't really know Mm. what to like, okay, it sounds good. Like all these cool things that he's doing sounds good, but what would my thing be? And then an opportunity came up when I was 20, either 23 or 24 to get my MBA online at the University of Florida, big rival. And um, I took- That's actually where I was looking too, because I was in Jacksonville, Florida. I was, look, I was literally getting ready to go to UF. Yeah, they, got, they have a good, or at least they did have a very good, high, highly rated program. I took that because it felt like the easier path. Like looking back, instead of the grid and trying to start a company of some sort, I felt, I felt like it was easy to just pay $60,000 and go get an education. And maybe that would open doors, right? It was a very lazy path to take, whereas you were about to, and you decided to go the business route instead. So kudos to you, man. And I'm guessing you have no regrets about not getting that MBA. Uh, definitely, definitely. That would have definitely changed my career and trajectory. But as soon as I started to learn about this, this entrepreneurship world, I was like, oh, wait, I can control my destiny. I can you know, make a bigger impact. I can, you know, ultimately make a lot more money, like all these things. I was like, that's beautiful. Bad thing is I started my first business and I had none of those things. I had no freedom, no money, no time, a ton of stress, no impact. And I was like, wait a minute, I was promised this beautiful thing called entrepreneurship. Like where is those benefits? Right. And ultimately found that I was the one screwing those up. And I actually found that most entrepreneurs we're in a similar spot, not having any freedom, not having any great lifestyle, not living the life and, and the reason why they even got into business to begin with. So went on that journey to figure out, all right, how do I do this? And then now, how do we do this at scale by helping other people as well? Well, let's, let's talk about some, what those, some of those things are. People are asking when I, when I say, hey, you got to read this book. They're like, okay, well, what's it about? And when I'm speaking to course creators, I'm like, look, what, he, what Austin is saying is that the things that you did to take you to be a six-figure course creator are not the same things that are going to take you from a six-figure course creator to a seven-figure course creator. If, if we're talking yeah. just to course creators, is that a fair just overall assessment of the book? Uh, absolutely. That, that, that's, that's how we start the book literally on page one. It's like, congrats, you made it to six figures. Now get ready to change most of what you're doing because that is not going to be the proper path necessarily uh, to seven. And this is what happens is most times, so people will start in business, they'll get some quick wins, and then they may get up to $100,000 or $200,000 fairly quickly, maybe, maybe a little bit more, but they're low six figures uh, fairly quickly. And what happens at that point in time, they've had this pretty fast growth after they figured out you know, what their product is to, to get to that point, then they start to stable off, right? And they, they really are having this glass ceiling and they're not able to really break through. Sometimes they have, you know, spikes in, but then they have these valleys right after. And ultimately they're just really over time staying pretty flat. So uh, we want to break through that ceiling. We want to break through that, that cycle. And again, to do so, we've got to change. So if anybody, I have literally met nobody in my life that got to 150, $200,000 $250, a year in their business that doesn't have the potential with just a couple tweaks to get to a million dollars a year. Like that's a big hurdle to get to that first six figures or multiple six figures. And if you get to that point, you're literally just a couple of tweaks away from getting to seven figures from my experience. So what we want to do is help to uh, uh, tap into that. Uh, and again, as you just said, it's going to take a couple of Yeah. Changes. And, and the, the, a lot of those tweaks are what's in the book. My big takeaways were teams and systems. In your opinion, yeah. is one more important than the other? Uh, out of those two, those two are, are two, uh, two sides of the same coin. So like you can't have a great team without great systems. And you should, uh, can't, you know, you can have all the systems in the world, but if you don't have the team to execute them, then they're not necessarily doing you as much good. 
So what we talk about is there's a very strategic order to business. And that's a big thing that most don't understand. Because if you look at the online marketing world, if you look at the information marketing world, so many people are touting the latest tactic. And at the end of the day, business is business is business. And it goes back to so much of the same fundamental principles. Tactics are beautiful. like We love them. But after we do a certain amount of other things, and after we set up the business, and after we make sure that you've got some free time. So following the book in the strategic order is the best thing. And if you do that, systems do come before team. Because a lot of people... Well, A, there's, there's other things before either systems or team. Uh, those are two of the, the, the big highlights. And we can break those down in a little bit more detail. But first and foremost, we've got to look at your mindset. We've got to look at your vision and make sure that we unlock uh, some things there from your mindset. Make sure that you're not making the, the scarcity-minded, limiting belief uh, mentality that so many people have. I had them myself. I went on a hard journey to change my own mindset. So we've got to change your mindset and have you see and believe in that next level, which is, you know, for a lot of people in the book, to get to get to that seven-figure mark. Next is really understanding what your vision is and what you ultimately want to create. And again, it's much more than money. It's that freedom. It's that family life. It's that lifestyle. It's that impact that you want to make. We've got to get clear on that because then step two is we're going to design the strategy around how to get there. And the million-dollar question that we talk about in the book is what's the simplest and most direct path? All right. So you say, hey, this is my vision. This is my goals. This is my dream situation. This is what I look like. What we want to do is figure out what's the best model and strategy and approach to help you get there. And we break down the strategy in, in a few different pillars. Uh, it's the model for how your business is structured. And we love uh, online businesses are the most businesses that we work with right now because the model is so scalable if you do it right. Um, so that we've got to look at the model. We've got to look at your plan of action and we've got to look at your differentiation. And then the fourth is we've got to look at your uh, levers, usually your marketing levers of how we're going to grow. So if we can nail those four things, you're going to have a good strategy to be set up to, to double and double again. The company's called 2X because that's usually our focus. If somebody comes in at 20K a month, our goal is, all right, I know you want to get to a million bucks. That's great. But first, we're just going to double. We're going to get from 20K a month to a consistent 40K a month. And that's what wants to get there. We're going to get to a consistent 80K a month and then on up and up. So um, uh, those are a couple of things there is take the order. Don't start with systems. Don't start with team. Let's make sure that we really nail your vision and strategy or your vision and mindset. Then we're going to go into making sure that we really nail your strategy. And here's the thing is most people will come to us and say, hey, Austin, I already got to $200,000. I'm good on strategy. Let's go mark to marketing. What, what do I need to get more leads? I just need more leads. That's the number one thing that we hear. And we're like, wait, wait, wait. Before we get to that, we're going to talk a lot about marketing. Don't worry about that. Let's look at your strategy. And we realize they are doing way too much. They've got so much complexity. They're not differentiated. Their model is actually not set up to scale. It's built around them and their time. Da, 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 da. We got a lot to do before we can talk about marketing, before we can talk about sales, before we can even talk about systems and team. So this is why we start with the great killer foundation. Even if somebody comes to us and they're doing 2 million a year, we spend a ton of time on really nailing those first couple pieces. Because if we get that right, that just unlocks so much, makes sure that when we do get to grow, we're growing consistently and controllably with high conversions. And you're setting your your team, you're setting uh, your time, you're setting your uh, sales conversions and your marketing up for big success if you do it right. So that's the big point that I'm getting across is if I had to summarize the book, I would say there's a very strategic order to growing a business uh, and you've got to follow that order in the proper way. Yeah, you've, you're very clear about that at the beginning of the book in that not only do we have all these great strategies and ideas, but hey, 
there's a reason we need to go through it in this order. Yeah. And you just, you just reiterated that. You also mentioned uh, online businesses. Is that, is that who you specifically help is, is online businesses or do you work with in-person businesses as well? Uh, we do in-person businesses a little bit, but uh, 90-something percent of the companies that we work with are either online or service-based. And service-based could be like uh, accountants or financial planners, but a lot of online businesses. We love online businesses the most because we can scale them the fastest. An accountant agency or a digital agency, uh, we can scale for sure, but we like they're just a little bit harder to you know quadruple in 60 days like we do with some of our clients. You know, Do you work with a lot of course creators? Yes, we do. Online, online coaches and course creators are our number one segment. Cool. Very cool. So just to pull out a couple of, uh, of takeaways from the book in, in kind of a random order, I know this is out of order, but yes, it's cool. one thing that I really liked hearing was how you measure reactivity as like a, a KPI yep. and the 72 hour rule, which my understanding was basically everybody in your team understands that they should not request something from somebody else within 72 hours. And if they do, that's breaking that rule. And that's just to promote a culture of proactivity and, um, and not, and I guess deep work too, right? Not interrupting what somebody's already planning in this, in the next 72 hours. Yeah. How important do you think that is? Uh, it's life changing. (laughs) So if that's important, then let's start there. Um, so, you know, a lot of people, what you need to do is look at, all right, when are you most productive? right? Everybody's most productive at certain times, but some commonalities that you'll hear are some people are most productive. Like my favorite time to work for years used to be on Saturday mornings. And then finally I was like, wait a minute, why do I love to work on Saturday mornings? Oh, nobody else is working. I got no distractions. I can get more done in two hours than I did. And then I feel like in the last two days, other people will say, oh, getting on a plane, a plane for me, I bang it out. We don't have distractions on, on the plane, right? We don't even have internet. So it's like, all right, let's recreate that. And what's the principle there? The principle is there is we don't have notifications. We don't have distractions. So if we can do deep work, the only thing stopping people between uh, where they are and where they want to go is usually a mindset, a strategy, and some deep work. Right? If we just do those couple things, then, then we're going to be in a beautiful spot. So um, we've got to uh, create the systems and structure to, to, to do that. And limiting reactivity for yourself and for your team is game-changing to do that. So for instance, imagine your day where you're just getting pinged throughout the day, right? You're getting a lot of questions. Like that's a day where you just, you end the day exhausted. You're like, I I know I was busy. I know I worked hard, but I feel like I got nothing really important done. Whereas if you have a full day where you can do just deep work and there's literally no reactions, like you, 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 you get, you know, at least five times the amount of stuff done. That's true for you. It's also true for your team, right? And as a hustling entrepreneur, what are we doing? We're causing just as many, if not more fires for our team by saying, hey, do this, do this. Hey, pull there, do, do, do. Like we, they can't do any deep work. And then we, at the end of the month, we're like, what did you get done? Like I'm paying you X thousand dollars, you know? What did you get done? It's because we're giving them the distractions. We're giving them too much work. So we want to limit it for everyone, not just for you. Set up a structure in place. So the 72 hour rule will help you do that, right? It's like no requests within 72 hours. So this way people can plan, people can do deep work. People aren't, you know, just looking at their email or looking at their messages or looking at their Slack uh, to, to have all these notifications and distractions They can do actual deep work. So set a plan, get out of people's way and do deep work. That's what you got to do. No, I love it. I, it reminds me of my time as an electrical engineer. I worked for the same company for eight years, had the same boss for eight years, and he was amazing, but he was 
He was a hard worker. He put in long hours and he would come into the office at like 5 a.m., sometimes 4 a.m. each day wow. because he knew that's the only time he could have a couple hours yep. where nobody would bug him. Because all day from eight to five, everybody's constantly knocking on the door asking him. I mean, he had 20 engineers underneath him. Yep. So the only time he could do that deep work was at that time because we didn't have you know, a 72 hour rule in place. Yeah, yeah. So if given what you've said, like, how should we, how should we start to apply that? Like, should I not have Slack open all day so that my team can communicate with me? Uh, the best thing that you can do is start your day with at least two hours of momentum. So what we like to do is not check Slack. It's, it's called our done by 1030 strategy, which will be a future book that we have coming out. But uh, done by 10.30, the goal is to have a crazy, crazy, crazy successful day by 10.30 a.m. And that all, almost all of that time is with deep work on your most important things. So if you can do that where you're moving the business forward every single morning and then getting into some of the reactive stuff and then getting into some of the client or team or, or whatever uh, uh, meetings that you have, but having that morning time for yourself at least three days a week, that's going to move the business uh, forward in a big way. So in setting that structure with the entire team, so everybody knows, for instance, with us, uh, Wednesdays are, are, are crush it days. So no meetings before noon on Wednesday. It's you know 1.30 that we had it. And this is my first time I've seen anybody today um, uh, at the time of this recording. So uh, set that structure for yourself, set that structure for your team, start fast in that way. The second thing is as reactivity does come up, because it will come up, it's not like you're just going to turn a switch and like, boom, your business is a machine. Everything's peaceful. There's no fires. Yeah. It's going to be a, a process. So as reactivity does come up, log that, writing that down. And we have a spreadsheet in, in a, a toolkit that we can give away too, uh, that, that shares exactly the same structure that we use to actually log it. And the reason why this is important is by writing it down and saying, this was reactive. Our brain starts to like make it tangible to say, Okay, that action was not good. I had to waste my, you know, seven minutes of my time to fill in this sheet for this reactivity thing that I did. And you won't do that many times, you know, before you, you stop being reactive. So have your team share that anytime that something's reactive, you write it down as well. And again, you're making it tangible and you're going to stop it pretty soon. And then, you know, soon you're going to make sure that you have a good plan and make sure that you're communicating in the proper way. So there's not fires. There's not the busyness of regular business. You're doing deep work and everybody can actually move ahead. And it makes for a lot more fun. It makes for a lot more stress and it sure as heck makes for a lot better impact. Yeah. And I love how defined it is because if, if I have somebody on my team that's constantly coming to me, requesting things as soon as I can get them to them with the you know, same day, it's like I could have a conversation. Hey, uh, don't don't be so le- last uh, minute on this stuff. But whereas with you, you've got a system in place where it's like, no, we have a seventy two hour rule, and it's it's very defined. Yep, and 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 those things will come up. And and one thing that you can do in the meantime, definitely do the things that we've talked about so far. But if you have a daily huddle, it's one of the most important meetings that you can have. If you have if you have more than than zero people on your team, you should be doing a daily huddle to just communicate and train everybody to bring any questions or needs to that meeting. So that way there's not 50 Slack messages or whatever throughout the day. They're bringing their questions and challenges to that so that you can cover it real quick. And then you may need to set a meeting, say, hey, we got to go deeper on this. We're not going to cover it in, in five minutes. Like let's have a meeting on that tomorrow afternoon or whatever. So you can do that. But training everybody, no reactivity, bring those questions and challenges to the meeting. That way there's that set time. So think of your boss, your old boss. If he had set open hours, open office hours a couple times per day or a couple times throughout the week, everybody bring your questions and challenges. Then 
just imagine how his life would change. He wouldn't have to get up at 4 a.m. or whatever it would be. Uh, and so many people do that. So set the structure to give you the freedom that you want. That's something that we talk so much about. So you, so you meet with your team every day. I do not. But if you're at uh, an initial uh, part of your business, definitely recommend that. Every one of our departments has uh, a meeting every single day with their whole uh, team. But I'm completely out of the day today that I, I don't do those meetings anymore. But I used to for years, for years and years, I did daily huddles. So how big is your team at this point? Uh, it's 25 people plus or minus. So it might be 27, somewhere in there. But uh, we've got every single department now has a daily huddle. But until you're about probably, I would say about seven or eight people, you can have just one meeting. You don't have to break it up by departments. And I would just have one daily huddle for anybody that's at least 20 hours a week in your business uh, to get on that. And again, that way you're just, you're just pulsing really well. You're just going through maybe a couple numbers uh, that, that the business is focused on. Go through, here's what I did uh, last 24 hours. Here's what I'm going to do the next 24 hours. Here's any uh, places that I'm stuck and questions that I have. And you just, it can be, even with eight people, it can be a seven minute meeting. So it's just very high paced, uh, fast touch, uh, but it keeps everyone aligned, brings all the questions, allows you to build rapport in everybody, gets everybody clear. And now they're clear for the next 24 hours. This is the most important thing. These are my top three uh, uh, priorities and what I'm going to focus on. And then you have the accountability built in. So there's so many benefits of it. Oh, it sounds good. Now, now my team is probably spread out across maybe six different countries. Do you still recommend yep. it when everybody's in a very significant, uh, di- different, significantly different time zone? Absolutely. Uh, we have people across at least four different continents. So we've got okay. people all over the world. And each, di- like, if you have a, a, enough people, then again, uh, you can do different times. Some people is just not going to work. So there's some people that, you know, maybe in the Philippines or whatever that work their day, which is, you know, not US hours. So that overlap's not going to work. So maybe you do a recording with them, but they still should be updating the sheet so that everybody can see or still updating where their questions are so that everything's covered there. So there's still different ways to get around it. But most critical people that are in the day to day for the business, you should be meeting with them. So what I do now. You know, we're, we're, you know, we've got enough people and I'm not in the day to day at all. So what I do is I meet with my uh, three, I only we've got three direct reports right now. So I meet with my three direct reports every Thursday uh, and we go through anywhere between 60 to 90 minutes, uh, depending on the department, just my one-on-ones with them. So I give them the full clarity for the week. I get fully caught up on exactly what's going on. And then I'm out of their way the rest of the week so that they can get done. Their tar- departments can get done what they need to. So eventually you may move to, to doing that. But at the beginning, I definitely re- recommend pulsing well with the daily huddle. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're, you are the CEO that sits way at the top. I mean, these 25, 27 employees that you said, that's all 2X or is that spread across multiple companies? It's all 2X. It's all 2X. What are your thoughts on uh, employees versus contractors? Uh, it, 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 it totally depends. Uh, we have a lot of part-time people, so we've got probably 12 of those people, if not 14 are, are coaches. Uh, so they're, they're part-time, but at the right time, you do want to move people to full-time, you know, it's, it's a mindset shift. There are benefits to both sides. There are drawbacks to both sides, but at the end of the day, if you do have full-time people and they're in the U S you've got to do it right from a legal standpoint. And just make sure that you don't mess around with that. So, 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 what do you um, what do you do now? You like office space? What would you what would you say you do around here? Is it just like you're you're a full time author now? Is that what you do? Uh, no, uh, my biggest time and energy goes towards whatever our number one bottleneck is. So, 
it was uh, going back and improving some elements of our program. Uh, so that was super fun to jump back in and work with our head of fulfillment and our head coach to really, really dial things into the next level. Right now, it's on marketing. So working with our marketing team to see, hey, what can we do to take things to the next level? We're really going deep for the first time into Facebook ads. So I'm super excited for that to turn that into just a full-on machine. We are going uh, deep into content and content marketing. So I'm super excited for that. So just spearheading and in, in, in working with our teams on the biggest uh, bottleneck and initiative at any time. So I like to work. like We're making a big impact on the world. So I love what we're doing. I love to create. So I'm always creating content. Uh, I've got more books coming out, yada, yada. So uh, a lot of things related to either content or marketing or the biggest bottleneck. And right now, the biggest bottleneck is marketing as we look to explode uh, in the next 12 months. So that's where my time and energy goes. But the cool thing is, it's like I can choose where that time and energy mm-hmm. goes, right? And it's not monotonous and it's not like literally nothing that I don't want to do. So you, uh, you mentioned some part-time coaches and whatnot. And I know you know, like Abby's in your program, for example, and she's got a dedicated coach, as far as I know, who yep. is not you, yep. right? How, how, how do you get to a point in your business where you can and find somebody to coach somebody else on, on your kind of your knowledge? Like I, I teach piano, right? We have seven or eight people on the team. I'm the only one that, that plays or teaches piano, but I would love to have other people on the team that can help out. How, how do you get to a point where you can do that? Yeah. Uh, systems. Uh, systems are, are the way. So everything that you do for your piano playing, whether you know it or, or, or not, is a system uh, that then becomes a skill, right? It, there's, there's some type of framework or there's some type of way, I think in algorithms, right? It's just mechanical engineering. And it's like, I, I was like, all right, these businesses, there's an algorithm, there's a framework for how to scale them. There's steps. And within each one of those steps, there's again, a step-by-step process. So there's a framework or there's a uh, an algorithm within that. So what I was doing at the beginning is we started 2X. I was doing all the coaching. I was literally doing all the coaching, all the sales, all the marketing, everything myself. Yes, we had a couple other team members, but I wanted to do all that myself to start and to figure out what was our product uh, really? What were we helping them with? And while I was doing that, I was creating all these structures, all these systems, all these frameworks for this is how I did it with this client. And now over time, We've got all these structures laid out that this is exactly how to follow. This is the blueprint. And then what we do is once we've got those systems in place, as we say, hey, we've got this super smart person. They can understand and learn all of these systems, combine their own brilliance to that. And now they can do just as good a job as as I can uh, in helping uh, uh, grow another company. So it's a systems mentality to be able to take what's in your mind and what you do on a day-to-day and break that down into simple steps that other people can follow. And now we've got so much IP, we've got so many frameworks, we've got so much uh, methodology that's in the form of systems that uh, people can do themselves, especially with the support and guidance of a one-on-one coach. That makes sense. So if you've got the systems in place and then you're ready to go start looking for somebody, that's, that's another thing that really jumped out at me in the book was how you go about hiring. And it's, it's not a traditional approach. I've, I've heard Abby talk about it because she, she, she does it exactly like you guys have taught her, I suppose. But it's actually, from what I understood, you actually set up like a landing page, like a sales page yep. for the job post. You have like a, a call to action button. You even talked about driving ads yep. to, to that. You, you found that, that doing all of those things is what, what it takes to just find the world-class talent. Absolutely. The most important sales and marketing that you can do is for people. Because if you get a really, really solid person on your team, they will change your life. 
right? Like there's not many clients that you can say of like, you know, I sold this extra course. You, you can't really say the extra course sales sold your life. So the most important sales and marketing that you can do is to hire and build a great team around you. And what we've done is exactly as you said, we took a sales, uh, sales page, like a full on long form sales page. We've got a big headline at the top. We've got a video uh, that goes into the role. We're sharing the vision. We've got a countdown timer. We've got all this stuff to really push people to say, hey, this is your dream opportunity if you're this person. And by doing so, we get on you know, some rock stars and then more rock stars, you know, no other rock stars. And all of a sudden you've got this team of 27 people that's world-class talent, right? So treating it and taking it very, very seriously. Most people just put a job posting out there and they hope that they get lucky that somebody stumbles into it and then that they're cheap and high performing, you know? It's like, no, let's go out and let, let's find somebody like, what's the A player want? The A player wants to work with a winning company. They want to, you know, probably make some type of impact. They want to uh, work with other A players. So you want to put together the structure that gets the A player excited to say, hey, this is the opportunity for me because they have other things that they can do. Uh, they're not looking to just stumble on some random job application and, and you know, come save your life. So we've got to set that up and we really, really sell the positions that we hire for pretty strong. And that leads to, to everything. And that leads to that leads all the way down to our clients' experience, right? Now our clients have a much better experience because they work with amazing people across the board and they get higher results. So it just is a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it starts with hiring amazing people. All right. So you've got this uh, very successful coaching program and then you wrote a book with a lot of these concepts. Why, why write a book? Is it as simple as, hey, this is now kind of top of funnel getting people into the coaching program? Um, uh, a bunch of reasons. One of my previous uh, businesses was actually a book marketing agency. So I had a small platform. I had a blog and podcast uh, talking about money and the mindset, two of my favorite topics because my first business was investing. So that was my second business was this blog and podcast. I had some, some coaching elements involved and I came out with a book. And as soon as I came out with a book, it just exploded me on the scene like overnight. Like I went from not having any respect and like trying to get on a podcast and everything to having, you know, the Washington Post and Business Insider, all like all these people coming to me to say, "Hey, saw your book, want to you know feature you or whatever." So it just like changed things overnight, changed my leads, changed my sales overnight, and uh, definitely don't go and look up that, those resources. Like they're not not a good book, not anything. But long story short, is like it put me on the map and showed me, okay, a book is a great tool. And then from that, since I had such a small platform and it exploded overnight, a lot of people started asking me, "Hey, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? How'd you do it?" By the time I got the two hundredth question of it, I was like, "All right." There's clearly an opportunity here. So uh, we started a business called Epic Launch, which was to teach nonfiction authors how to launch and leverage uh, their book to grow their business. So I have a lot of experience in the world. That book took me only a couple of weeks to put together because like, we create a lot of content and uh, I know the book world in and out. So it didn't take very long. It's an easy tool. I've turned you know, a couple of books into uh, a million dollars. So I was like, all right, well, let's do it again with a, a book here for uh, 2X. So a lot of our clients do want to go from six to seven figures. So we figured that that that, that made sense as a marketing tool. We launched it and we released it during COVID. So that was a challenging time because it was like, you don't want to take away from the seriousness of COVID. But I was like, all right, people need this. So we just shipped it out and we didn't do our typical launch process. But the feedback from it has been really, really good so far. I didn't I didn't realize you had the the past experience with with not only launching a previous book, but but helping other people do that as well. So let me ask you a question about me. Sure. Uh, I, you know, my, my main business is, is piano in 21 days. It's an online piano course does pretty well. 
Then I've got this brand where I help people with online courses. It's primarily this podcast, almost four years old now. I've got a little bit, I've kind of got an inner circle program where I work with some um, some kind of six-figure course creators on on taking things to the next level. Do you think it's a good time for me to write a book? Um, I don't know enough about your business and where your time is at. Uh, usually there's some low-hanging fruit uh, that, that we could address from a marketing standpoint first to grow. But uh, assuming that your strategy and you work through your model one and all that's good, I love the power of a book, especially for online businesses, because you can either give away the PDF for free and use it as a lead magnet tool. But it just, if people have something tangible, I mean, we did hardcover copies of the book. I think you have a hardcover copy of the book uh, because like, if people have that, they're just like, okay, this, this instantly differentiates you from 90% of the other people that are, are saying the same thing that don't have a book. And then you can uh, use it for PR. You can use it to, to get connected with big names. You can send it out to uh, your uh, prospects and, and again, just, just open the door. So there's so many different uses of it. I would definitely recommend it at the right time. Again, I just don't know enough about your business to say right now you should do it, but highly, highly recommend definitely within the next six months. As soon as you get some of the cleanup, you got your team, you've got enough time that you can start to work on the business. A book is such a great tool. But what we want to think about is so many people are spending so much time and energy on things that are not assets. And from a marketing standpoint, I want every entrepreneur out there to start thinking about assets. What are the assets that you can create that you can reap the rewards of from a long time? A book is a major, major awesome asset. Like it is a tool, it is an asset, it's a physical thing that you can use over and over and over again. Uh, the second thing is systems. Systems are assets. So as you go in and you do marketing, I want everybody to think about okay, if I'm doing this Facebook group or if I'm doing this Facebook ads or if I'm doing this Instagram thing or if I'm doing, you know, social, whatever it is, like, Think about how can you turn that into a machine so that you've got this thing that can run over and over again. But what so many people are doing, they're spending so much time and energy like I used to on the social media post that it takes you 30 minutes to write and then you write it and like, you know, some people see it and then it's gone. And it's like, wait a minute, that's not an asset. Like so many people are spending their time and energy on the wrong things. When you can spend that same thing or that same time on creating something like a book or creating a really nice article or whatever it is that you can leverage over and over and over again, that's what I want you to think about. So we always want to simplify and make sure that uh, we're really taking into account your time because like, that's the most finite resource that we've got, right? We've got limited resources, but especially limited time. So we've got to look at things strategically. So that's a long-winded answer to say yes, but at the right time. Uh, but usually there's a couple of uh, marketing channels that, that we can tap into first before we get to the book. Well, I think it goes back to what we somewhat started talking about how there's an order to this, right? Yeah, and marketing yeah, exactly. isn't necessarily the first thing. We got to do the mindset first. We got to have systems first. And so that's why you're, you're saying, hey, it, it's got, you got to have X, Y, and Z done before you want to think about uh, writing a book. Yeah. So I, I think when I went to, is it six to seven, six to seven book.com? Yep. I, I think when I originally went there, it, it looked like it was a free plus shipping um, yeah. funnel. Yep. Right? Are, are you a fan of, of selling? Because it, it looks like that actually redirects to Amazon now. Yep. You recommend that type of funnel for, for selling a book? Yeah. At the beginning, uh, we, we sent everybody to uh, 267book.com slash free, and we had a whole uh, free plus shipping funnel. Right now, we are sending them uh, straight to Amazon and Audible uh, because we don't have the fulfillment set up anymore because we're, we're just not sending people there. But we definitely, definitely love the free plus shipping model. Uh, we love to be able to turn people into customers because they're just much higher likelihood to buy from you in the future. 
Uh, we have a couple of different offers right on the back end of that. So we have like a $27 order form bump. We've got a $97 offer or something right after. And then we've got like a $197 offer right after that. So ultimately, you know, people are coming in for the book, which is like $5.95 or $6.95 for shipping and handling, but they're usually buying one of those other things, if not more. So we like that model. The previous model that I used to use at Epic Launch is we would give either the first couple of chapters away in the form of a PDF, or we would uh, get uh, email opt-ins and then send people to Amazon on the uh, launch day when we put the Kindle there available for free. So we'd basically give people a free copy of the book and build our email list in a big way. And then the following week or the week after, do a big webinar push to open the course and sell that. And that works really, really well. So that's actually the better strategy that I recommend for most people because then you don't have to deal with fulfillment and stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. And when I first uh, when I first came across the book and then I started posting it to my fa- Facebook groups and recommending it to other course creators, the Audible, uh, the audiobook wasn't available yeah. yet. But then a couple of days ago, just happened to be searching through Audible and then it was available. It looks like it just you, you guys just came out with that. Why is it that audiobooks don't seem to typically come out when the actual book comes out? Um, there is a little bit of a process. Uh, like for instance, we submitted that to, to Audible over 30 days before it got approved. Whereas if you put it up on Kindle, it's approved usually you know, within 48 hours. So there's a, a time delay there. And then uh, what we used to recommend is launching the Kindle and paperback at the same time. And then 30 to 60 days later, doing the audiobook. So then we have an excuse from a public standpoint to like continue to market because you don't necessarily want to blitz everybody with the same book. And you also don't want to give people, hey, go there, here, here. You want them to send them to one link at any time. So that's what we used to do in the past. But the audio book is the most important thing. At, well, I wouldn't say it's the most important thing. They're all great uses. A physical book is so, so important because again, it makes it tangible. And it's just like, you can hold it, feel it. You can, you know, uh, as long as you do it right, you can uh, really impress somebody with it. The Kindle book is uh, amazing because you can give it away for free and do all these different things to, to just like uh, use it as a tool. And the audio book is so good because you, if you do that, you should record it yourself because then people re- like get a connect with you. Uh, like if you, you know, I, I did this audio book myself, I did not do my first audio book myself, but I did this one. And I think that, and I went on different tangents and I got emotional about yeah. some things and, and it's just like, people just really relate to that and consume it in just a, a much better way. So um, they're all good in their own right. It's it's not that big of a deal to launch the audiobook with the uh, with the rest at the same time, but we'd like to separate it out in that strategy. Well, the, the audio. I mean, I'm about probably a fourth of the way through the audiobook, and that's I don't like picking up a nonfiction audiobook and have it not be the author reading it. Yeah, exactly. And and I love I love when people do what you do, where where there are a little bit of tangents and there's some real personality into it, and not just clearly reading a script. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so well done on that. Um, so I, I lo- always love hearing like success stories from from the people that you help. In this case, it's not um, a course per se, but it is a coaching program. And you mentioned several success stories in the book. Um, there was Elizabeth Benton. There were there was others. Um, could you share one or two stories uh, of people that you've helped to to implement some of this stuff in their businesses? Yeah, for sure. We can talk about this all day. <laughs> We've got a bunch of those stories, but let's start with Elizabeth. You just mentioned her name. Elizabeth came to me and she uh, had an online course. She had a podcast, an online course, uh, and she had a Facebook community. And uh, she was at about, at about $30,000 per month. And she had, at the time, no people on her team. So she had very low expenses. She wasn't running ads. She wasn't doing anything. So she was at $30,000 per month, which was great. 
and she had good cash flow. And like, that was cool. And she was like, Austin, if I get to $50,000 a month in the next six months, I'm good. Like I'm golden. Like she was happy about that. And within 90 days, uh, not only did she get to $50,000 per month, not only did she get past that seven figure run rate, she went to $85,000 per month. And the cool thing is if you do it right, if you follow the steps in the book, if you build uh, your business to be a machine, if you make sure that you're not stuck in the weeds, then that level of growth that you get to is the new baseline. That's the new low, right? Like so many people are going up and straight down. No, we have to have the systems and structure and team in place so that that consistency is there and you keep going up. So she got to 84,000 per month, not just the launch, per month recurring uh, within 90 days. Within 90 days after that, she was at 115,000 per month. This is somebody that used to make $30,000 per month in in six months up to $115,000 per month. So we blew past her goals. Uh, We blew past uh, that to show her what's possible. And that's a level that we call uh, potential uh, that so many people don't reach, right? And that was an exciting one for sure. So she she started to build out her team. She got free. We made sure that she was more scalable. We really dialed in her launch process, proved a couple marketing channels, and she just exploded and then went on to make a couple million, uh, which is beautiful. Uh, another example is uh, a guy named Ryan Rockwell. So he has an online business. Uh, he teaches yoga teachers how to take their business online. Uh, he started with us in a similar spot. He's about $31,000 per month. And he was up and down, round and round, but he was about $31,000 per month. And he came in and he didn't know any of his numbers. He said, KPIs, what are that? Or what are those things? Uh, and I said, key performance indicators. These are numbers that are going to help you make better decisions. And we optimize your marketing. We're going to optimize your team. We're going to know your sales conversions, yada, yada. He didn't even know what, what uh, any of his numbers in his business. Uh, he was about five years into business and about $31,000 per month. Now uh, he's at about 287000 or so. So it's like 9X and he knows his numbers inside and out. He's traveling around the world. He's dating the girl of his dreams. He's making a bigger impact. He's got a rock star team. He's got an, uh, an operations person running the day-to-day in his business. So this is a whole new person, a whole new life, a whole new reality by implementing some of the quote unquote boring stuff, right? Like focusing on you know, your team and your systems and your numbers and KPIs, some of the things that most people will avoid, but ultimately change your life and, and, the prop, and definitely change your business to take it to the next level. So those are a couple of people that exploded by implementing exactly what we've been talking about here today. So with both of those people, did they go through the 2X uh, yep. growth coaching program? Yep. Yep, exactly. So we've got the, the one-on-one uh, 90-day program. Everybody starts with the same 90 days. And then once people get to a certain revenue level right now, the minimum is a million dollars, we can invite them into our high-end program, which is called the machine. So that's a six month, but it's, it's all the same. It's one-on-one, hands-on, very intensive where we're in the trenches to help you uh, give the answers that you need. Because once people get to a couple six figures, like they don't need more information. What they need is like the answers of like what to do. It's like, do this. Here's the system and template that, that we use. Uh, so they need uh, more hands-on guidance. So that's why we focus just on one-on-one. Well, uh, other than the, the requirements to get in, what, what is the difference between the, the 2X growth and the machine? Uh, 2X growth is basically a lighter version of the machine. The machine's just much more advanced. Uh, like we are going to grow uh, and grow really, really nicely in the 2X growth program the first 90 days but we're not going to be actually focusing on uh, marketing. People get in and they're like, all right, give me the marketing system. Give me the Facebook ads. Give me and we're like, no, 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 we'll get to that, but you're not ready for that. What we're going to do are these couple things. We're going to focus on referrals. We're going to focus on these. We're going to focus on you know, optimizing what you've got right there. We're going to better uh, tap into your audience. We're going to improve 
your positioning and improve your conversions. We're going to work on you know some different things that are going to have them build the business in the proper way. Again, that's going to lead to some nice growth. But then after that first 90 days, now we're ready to talk about, hey, how do we fully turn your business to be a machine where your team's running the day-to-day? And how do we drive exponential growth? So it goes to the foundation, which is the 2X growth program in the first 90 days. Again, we're going to grow in that, but it's, it's very foundational stuff so that we can clean up the business, make it much healthier, and much simpler. And then after that, then we're going to focus on operational machine and exponential growth. And that's what the machine is. Okay. Got it. So, so you would never stay in 2X growth for longer than 90 days? That's just what it is? No, somebody could. So if somebody comes in and they're, they're uh, still at a spot that they just have so much to clean up and like we don't have that foundation and they're not ready for the exponential growth, then they could stay in for the, the 90-day program for another 90 days. So that's very rare though. Because like if somebody comes into us and they're at 30,000 a month, they'll very likely get to 60, 70, $80,000 in that first 90 days. And now we're ready to say, hey, we can, we can invite you into the machine program. What type of person would not be a fit to, to go into your coaching programs? Um, we work over 90% of the time with online and service-based businesses. Well, there's several reasons for that. But if somebody is, uh, has like a super long sales cycle, we usually don't work with them. We don't work with a ton of in-person businesses anymore just because it's just a little bit different. And a long sales cycle, like we, we want people to have a killer ROI, right? And we want them to make some money. And if they have a service or online business, we can give the ROI really, really quickly. And we want to inject cash and uh, free up time right away so that we can start to work on the right things. In those businesses, we can do so in, in, in a pretty quick manner. So I would say that's best. Anybody that's not in, that, uh, uh, in, in one of those categories uh, is, is maybe not best for us. Now, some of our biggest success stories are slightly outside of that. Like for instance, uh, one of our top success stories is an e-commerce guy. Uh, he has crushed it. He went from $67,000 per month to now over $503,000 per month. Um, so another nine Xer, and, uh, uh, he went from hundred hour work weeks to 30 hour work weeks and, and, you know, 90 days, it's just like crazy, crazy guy. And he's outside of our, our real house a little bit per se, but business is business is business for us, right? It's like, we talk about the fundamental stuff is like, I don't care where somebody comes in from just from a marketing standpoint. Uh, you know, we, we look at online and service-based businesses. What about, what about more people, more in the beginning uh, side of the spectrum? Let's say that I just started an online course business a couple months ago. I've made five sales. Would I be ready to, to do something like that? No, no, that's uh, definitely something that I didn't add is we do require people uh, to be at, at least $150,000 per year. And uh, most people now, we, we usually look at $20,000 per month for them to, to qualify to come into the 2X growth program. And the reason why we do that is because if you're not quite there yet, it's just a different process because you do need to figure out what's an offer, uh, who's your audience, you need to validate it some. But if somebody's already at twenty dollars or $30,000 per month, we have so much that we can optimize. We can help them uh, generate a lot of cash to pay for our program like right away. And we usually, they usually have a couple people on their team. So if you're a solopreneur just starting out, like we're not the best fit for you. You know, go to you, go to other people, get to that, some of that initial attraction, get to those 10 or $20,000 a month. And then we can say, Hey, all right, we can help you optimize and scale from here. Because as, as I just shared, or as we started this conversation with is like, what gets you to that first whatever, 150 or 200,000 is different than what, like what we're going to do to take you to the next level. So use people that are masters at that, and then we'll apply our strategies and everything. Cool. Last question for you, man. What, uh, for you personally, what's been like 
your best moment, best day, coolest thing you've been able to buy, coolest thing you've been able to do as a result of having a successful coaching program? A couple things. Uh, I'm going to give you two. Uh, uh, sorry, this, we're two X in here, uh, your request. But the first one that came to mind, this was for my first business. My first business was a day trading company. So it was an online course. But when I was able to pay off all my debt, like that was like a feeling that I'll never forget. I can feel it now, even just talking about it. It's paying that off and being able to have financial freedom uh, shortly thereafter. That was huge. Second thing uh, that came to mind is we do, uh, you know, pre-COVID, we, we would do some in-person masterminds and being able to sit back and see this room of just world-class people that are doing amazing things in their own right, in their own businesses that are looking to us as their experts as my team is leading it, and I'm just sitting back and I'm just proud of you know what we're building and the impact that we're making and the ripple effect you know from our team to our clients to to their clients and everything. That's been my proudest moment. I love to just build a team and help inspire and educate other people and help them tap into their potential. So uh, those are a couple of things that come to mind: is is the financial freedom and the impact that you can have by doing business right. Like that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, very cool, man. Well, look, thank you so much for joining me here today. I think the the listeners are going to get a lot of value out the, out of this. Um, let's drop some links and some calls to action here. Where can people go to get get your book or more information about your programs? Uh, yeah, well, let's let's start with giving away a couple copies of the book. So it's from six to seven figures: uh, how to simplify uh, your business, gain your time back, and scale faster than ever. If you want a free copy of this, we can send you a hardcover or paperback copy of it for free. I'll cover the cost. Uh, all you have to do is go leave. Uh, Jockey, uh, iTunes review. So go uh, leave a review, get this podcast out there. So go leave that review. You can email Jockey, you can email, email me. My email is austin at 2x.co. Uh, that's austin at 2x.co. So email me and then we'll, we'll shoot you uh, a book. So that for the first 20 people that do that, I would love to support the podcast and, and do it in that way. So let's get that book out there. Uh, that'll help a ton. And then check out our site, 2x.co. There's a bunch of free resources on there. Uh, if you are above those $15,000 months, those $20,000 months, uh, we can support you one-on-one. It's the 2x growth program. Uh, we do guarantee results for people that we let into the program uh, and can work with you in a big way to help you double your business and double it again and ultimately get to that seven figures and beyond. But most importantly, get it so that you have the time freedom, that you have the impact and, and really the lifestyle that you want. That's the way to do it, not working all the time. You know. Guaranteed results, man. That's cool. I didn't realize you did that. I certainly don't do that for any of my programs. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not many people out there that do it, period, let alone any high-end one-on-one programs. Uh, so we know our stuff works. And if we uh, let people, somebody into the program, we guarantee ROI, we guarantee some certain results and you know it works every single time. I, I'm sure we have had to refund somebody. I don't know if we have. Like <laughs> I, I can't think of anybody out of the you know hundreds of people that we've worked with that we've had to do that with. So like it works. Like if we let somebody in, we're going to apply the proper strategies and start them fast and get them free from the weeds. And uh, again, business is business is business. It's just a lot of different stuff than what most people out there are talking about. You know? Well, thanks for that uh, very generous offer, Austin. So what you're saying is that if, if the first 20 people that leave, a, leave an iTunes review, or I guess it's Apple Podcasts now, uh, for for this podcast, you're saying you're giving give them a, a free book, and that's not even the free plus shipping. You're just going to send out uh, the first twenty people a book. Yep, absolutely. Very so nice. Leave man. those reviews, give them five stars, <laughs> and uh, you know some some good words, and then shoot shoot us an email, and uh, again the team will take care of you there. Perfect. From six to seven figures, the book two x dot co. Austin Netsley, thanks so much. Appreciate you, man. 
Welcome back, Dr. K. All right. As usual, let's let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, start with the overall thoughts on the conversation with Austin. Yeah, it was a great conversation. And just to reiterate a little bit of what you already talked about in the intro before the interview, um, people sometimes come into this with this idea that they want that seven-figure business. Austin really said that's an arbitrary number says what the people really want is more freedom, less stress. And so he says that the exact dollar amount doesn't matter to him. He, he wants people to have the business of their dreams. And I was reflecting back, one of my favorite quotes, it's a money quote, but my, my favorite quote about money is that I don't love money, but it calms my nerves. <laughs> and uh, I, I would say systems are kind of the same thing. I don't love systems, maybe not in the same way that Colleen on your team does. I don't love systems, but they calm my nerves. And so- yeah. And, and systems are that pathway to freedom. So I thought it was a, a great conversation. It's just like just like having my office clean. Like I don't particularly like cleaning the office, but I love having it been cleaned. Right. So just the systems are the same way for me. Some people like putting together systems, like like Colleen. But once the system is in place, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah. Now I got to ask you a question. Uh, you shared that you didn't have any retained earnings in your business. And I know that you've read Profit First. I know that at some point you probably read Ontario Leadership by Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Did you just snooze during those chapters? I'm, I'm a little lost. Retain, what are you referring to? Uh, just the idea that your business has its own emergency fund. Oh, yeah. So you're talking about like the three months, three to six months type of expenses in the bank, which I certainly, I've had that personally for, for quite a while. You know, on the business side of things, it's it's easy to fall into the trap of just spending everything you make, right? And and that spending could be like your own salary, like bringing that in to use personally. It could be to to buy new computers and new software and and pay for ads and whatnot. It's 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 so tempting to just to just spend. And that's what I did for a while. Even though you know you mentioned profit first, like they certainly recommend um, having expenses. And that's it's not a great way to run your business where you're where you're just constantly like at zero dollars in the expense category. So. It was just um, it was just not a great business move to not have that, but thankfully I do have it now, and uh, hopefully continue to have it and continue to grow that. Because, like I told Austin, like the decisions you make within your business, it's it's you're coming at it from a completely different perspective when you've got that margin there. Nice. Well, that sounds good. And yes, for any any new course creators out there, I encourage them to make that a priority to have that emergency fund again in business. Uh, I know I think Dave Ramsey calls it retained earnings. But just to get that Fancy in there, word for it. I know, I know. <laughs> but but yeah, just just that fun that gives you freedom to to pursue opportunities that come your way that you think, yeah, that's really going to help and move the needle. So I really liked where he said that people, business owners who make it to six figures, they almost always have the potential to make it to seven figures. And uh, that was just an encouraging thing to hear him say. Um, again, I, I do think that some people that make it to six figures, they have this... Uh, mindset that being a seven-figure business owner isn't very appealing. And I, I admit to some of that myself. You brought this up a little bit before, but kind of this attitude that seven figures would mean that I would spend all my time in meetings and number crunching and more hassles with managing staff. And uh, just just love this idea that the right systems enable you to to avoid those things. So you got your daily huddle where you're you're not doing endless meetings. You're just getting together for 10 minutes or maybe 30 minutes and, and getting your whole team on the same direction. Um, with the daily huddle, have you actually done a daily huddle where your entire team is on one call? No, no, no. Like <laughs> you there's, probably we're doing, should. 
Yeah, dude, we're we're doing we're doing so many cool things. Like we're doing awesome things, but like talking to guys like Austin, they're just at a totally different level. It's like there's so much more we could be doing. We've the team has never been live on a call at the same time. That's I I think we would probably start with more like weekly and, and work up from there. Just all of a sudden snapping your fingers and going to a daily meeting would be difficult, especially with how and how how much different time zones my my particular team is. Uh, but no, currently not doing that. Huh. Well, at some point, you should probably get them all together and let them say hi to each other. Yes, agree. So the other thing I was thinking is that a lot of business owners do essentially Peter Principle themselves. We might have talked this about, about this already, but Peter Principle is this idea that in a larger corporation, a person gets promoted to their level of incompetence. So the most popular example of this in popular culture would be Michael Scott. <laughs> From the office. So Michael Scott was the top salesman. He got promoted to being a manager and he was the worst manager in the world. And imagine if they'd put him up in the CEO role. I mean, he'd be, be even worse and be able to do even more damage. But when we're a, a, when we're a small business owner, a course creator, you could be the world's best course creator, but that doesn't mean that you're the world's best people manager. And that's where I've, I've enjoyed chatting with you about some of these strategies about managing a team better and certainly learning from people like Austin about the systems that they use. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. And most course creators are what they're best at is simply their, their niche, their topic. And that's, that's probably one thing that's really holding a lot of people back from scaling because not only are they, are they not doing like the, the right marketing strategies and uh, the right hiring but they don't have much interest in that either. But if you can just get like one person on your team that could manage some of those things, a lot of times just the the right person is is the the really the key to taking things to the next level. Right. So in the book specifically, Austin shared a little example of a focus on systems instead of a focus on these small details. So the story that was that Howard Schultz, the founder and CEO of Starbucks, was out on a road trip or something, and he pulled up to the Starbucks, and the the sign on the outside, the lights were out. And uh, Austin says, you know, a lot of CEOs, a lot of leaders might go in there and kind of chew out the manager. Hey, haven't you seen this? Uh, why haven't you taken care of this? And he says that Howard Schultz, he picks up the phone and he calls the home office of Starbucks and says, hey, what's our system for making sure that any exterior lighting, if it goes out, is fixed. And I just love that idea that, that yeah, anytime something goes wrong in your business, you know, it's, it's not the time to focus in on that small detail. But no, you got to focus on the system where, where things go better throughout your entire company. I'm glad you mentioned that. That was probably my favorite story uh, from, from the book because it wasn't, he, he could have easily gone in and, and berated the manager and, and, um, but he didn't and he he immediately thought of it as a systems problem and and from then on they had a system in place for for that particular instance and we're not going to be able to just set up our businesses and have all the perfect systems and everything it's always going to be a work in progress you just let, one, one thing that really jumped out at me is when i asked austin like what does he do like what's his role in the business now right and his job now as far as you know 2x goes is to find and fix the bottlenecks, right? That's his job. Everybody else kind of does everything else in the business, but he finds those places where there's not a system in place or not as good of a system. He's, he finds those burnt out lights and, and, and creates, a, creates a system around it. So that's really cool. 
Yeah. And in that context of just how do you make better systems, in the book, he also shares another concept. He calls it the XDS concept. And this is how you can can delegate as the leader. And so he says you should write every single task that you're spending time on and then write the average amount of time that you spent on that task in the last month. And then he says you categorize each of those tasks. One would be administrative, two would be technician work, three would be management, and four would be an executive task. And then you put an up arrow by the ones that give you energy and put a down arrow by the ones that, that steal your energy that you don't enjoy. And then this XDS, so the X is for cut, D is for delegate, and S is for systemize. And he says, you look at every single task and he says, can you, can you cut something out and have it not, you know, is it part of the, part of the 80% of things that you're working on that don't actually have a big impact? So can you cut it out and not have a huge negative effect on your business? Can you delegate it to someone on your team or, or can you systemize it? Now, the most powerful thing in this, he says that you should be revisiting this monthly as a CEO. And I thought that that is definitely the thing that's missing in my business is just this ruthless, like once a month saying, what have I spent time on and, and where are the things that I can improve in the month going forward? And if a person does that as a business owner, I think they could see just massive improvement. Yeah, but it's hard to do things like that when you're doing a lot. Right. When you're, right. when you're doing a lot of the technician work and the administrative work, it's hard to take a step back and do that really high level, high level thinking, high level task analysis. That's probably the reason that most people are not doing those types of things, but it's almost like a catch 22, right? There's incredible value in doing it, but a lot of people don't have the time to do it. Right. Well, so I enjoyed how he said the most important, the most important marketing you can ever do is marketing to build a team. And I, I got in there, I looked at the landing page for when they have a job opportunity on their team. And it was really cool. It had all these testimonials for, from his current employees. He had testimonials from people that use the service. And I thought, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome to find people that are on your team and, and just how important that is. Uh, I read an article, I read an article this morning about sports. You'll probably be proud of me for that. But uh, did you see where this Philadelphia Eagles, this is on the concept of like getting the right team is so important. Did you see where this Philadelphia Eagles coach basically to one extent or another through the game so that he would have a higher draft pick the next year? No, I don't know specifically what you're referring to, but that is a, that is an ongoing uh, controversial topic in sports every year because you're not supposed to do that, right? You're, you're not supposed to throw games. But that's that's how the system is set up in that the worst teams pick first in, in the drafts. So I'm curious to know specifically what you're talking about the Eagles because kind of happens every year. Really? I didn't know that that usually happens. Yeah. So it was the fourth quarter in this game and the Eagles were down 14 to 17 and they still had a chance to win. The coach pulled the starting quarterback out and put in not just his second string guy, but he put in the actual third string guy. Yeah. The guy hadn't played any any minutes this entire year. And so the third string quarterback, he fumbled. I mean, the game, <laughs> the game was lost and the players were super angry that they didn't, you know, that they weren't able to win. But they said that that, that move and losing that game on purpose moved them from uh, having the number nine draft pick up to number six. And so... Again, I mean, that's that's just an interesting example. But that coach, obviously, he's like, we need the right players on the team. And and I didn't know that was a common occurrence. That happens pretty much every year. Well, it's it's a it's a topic every year. It's like, oh, what, you know, is this team trying to 
trying to lose on purpose? Are they not? I mean, that's a blatant example, but there's certainly, you know, NBA, MLB, uh, all the sports do it to some extent where if you're, if you're battling for that top position in the draft, it's like you might bench certain players. And I, I remember, man, that, that reminds me of, of when I was little, I uh, was a huge uh, New Orleans Saints fan, born and raised in New Orleans. And I remember being like nine or 10 years old. And, and when I was growing up, the Saints were horrible. They're, they're, they've been pretty good in the past 10 or 15 years. But I remember it was going into like the last game of the season. The Saints had only won a handful of games and they were going to draft somewhere in the top five. And I was like, dad, like they're not going to the playoffs. Like, why don't they just lose this game on purpose so that they can draft higher? And his answer was, well, you know, son, <laughs> as, a, as a professional, you always go out there and you give it your best shot and you do the best you can and you never, ever try to fail on purpose. And so that's really stuck with me from my dad, even though there's great advantages for the, for the I guess, franchise as a whole. But these guys individually, like they're all trying to earn their paycheck for next year. They're trying to make sure they stay on a team for the next year and that it's you know if it's their responsibility of just playing the best that they can but then it's up to like the coaches and the owners to decide if they're gonna mm-hmm. bench certain players and we're starting to get into a tangent a little bit but it just reminded me um of that story but i think overall your point is the importance of of having the right um team on the field let's say it's everything. And Austin, Austin emphasized that. And that Philadelphia coach, yeah, he emphasized that because he's, he's under the bus right now. <laughs> um, he's getting some flack for sure. All right. So um, the discussion about writing a book, I loved how Austin first off said, you know, there's all these advantages that builds your credibility and gives you a way to grow your business. And then at the end of your discussion with him, he showed one way that you can use a book to provide value. That was where he he encouraged listeners of this podcast. He said, hey, you know, write a review for for the online course show podcast and he'll send these people a, a free book, a hardcover paperback book. And I was just so impressed with that. Just, uh, you know, I mean, you can never go wrong with generosity and gratitude. And so number one, I mean, for listeners, yeah, fill out a review, get the free book. Obviously, Jacques and I both found it to be very valuable. But also, let's look at what he did there and let's let's take it into our own lives. I know when I do lunch and learns in person, I always start my lunch and learn by thanking the person that set up the entire lunch and learn. And we bring in uh, like a $15 flower vase. And I, I surprise this person with it. I say, hey, you know, want to thank Cindy for setting up the lunch and learn. Immense amounts of gratitude. We brought these flowers for you. And everybody in the room just goes, ah, they're like... And and you know that nobody else that's come in and done a lunch and learn has shown that type of gratitude. So, um, yeah, I would just say learn learn from that generosity and gratitude and and take advantage of that, David. And then Jock, oh, go, go, go ahead, ahead, finish that, and then and then I do want to I do want to mention. Well, yeah, something I want to know if, I want to know if you're going to write the book. Oh, okay. That's the well, other let's question. let's start there, and then I'll then I'll jump back. We'll we'll see, man. Certainly not in the plans right now. Certainly not. I think that writing a book is is similar to creating a course in a lot of ways. Is that doing it when you don't have the right audience is not necessarily the best idea, right? So I'm still, as far as like the online course guy side of things, I'm still growing the audience. We're still figuring out certain directions to, to go with this. And I don't think that now would necessarily be the right time for say a book. I've got a far bigger audience on my Piano in 21 Days side. 
And I mean, I essentially have a book on that side of things already. But to jump over to what you were talking about with the generosity, I mean, no no offense to, to any other guests that I've had on the podcast, because I've had some phenomenal guests, but th- there's nobody that's just been more more generous in, in terms of the, the way they approach this th- than Austin. I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I want to be transparent here. Like, we turned off the recording and everything, and, and he's just like, Jacques, how can I support you? Like, I love what you're doing. Like, how can I support you? And he's obviously giving that great offer for um, free copies of the book, no, no strings attached there. And um, I just, I can learn things not only from, you know, Austin's book and the things that he's saying, but also the things that he's doing, right? And, right. and I got off the call with him and immediately I was like, that was amazing. And I didn't even ask how, like what I could do for him. And I, I had to send him a follow-up email and I was like, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for your generosity. By the way, like, what can I do for you as well? But I was just so blown away by how he approached it that I was just, I was, I was almost at a loss for words, but very impressive. And I was going to mention it at the end with the calls to action in the show notes, but first 20 people leave a podcast review for this podcast, not Austin's stuff for this podcast. He's going to send a free book. You don't have to pay for shipping or anything. So he said to email him directly, did he not? Correct. Yeah. So Austin at 2x.co, first 20 people to leave a Apple podcast review. Just take a screenshot, email it over to him. You can copy me if you want, jock at the online course guy.com. Let's let's do that. Let's fulfill those 20 free copies. Let's take Austin up on on that. And and look, let's leave him a review of this book. It's it just came out this year. He's still trying to grow. He's still trying to get the word out there. And uh, as a thank you to him for coming on the podcast and for the generosity, I would appreciate everyone out there leaving that that gets the book and and genuinely enjoys it, gets something out of it to leave him a review whether it's on Amazon or Audible. I've consumed both versions now at this point. So Please go out there and do that. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, the last thing, I mean, you have to admire that he says that he guarantees results. He says if he lets somebody in the program, their results are guaranteed or or they would get their money back. And uh, I mean, we've had this discussion about what is what is ethical when you get to a high, high ticket offer. And so I don't I don't have any idea what his programs cost. But it's just really cool to say, no, we actually vet this person and we, but the people that we let in, we feel confident that we can uh, take their money and we can, we can double what they're making in a month and, and get that return on investment. And just a great example of the right way to do a high ticket offer. Pretty impressive. Yeah. I don't know the exact details of the guarantee, but that's very impressive. And I think he said that he's never really had to, to give a refund at this point. So it seems like an awesome program, an awesome business. For those of you that are six-figure course creators and you're struggling with scaling, with systems, with hiring, give it a shot. Read the book first. And and if you feel compelled, give the program a shot. It may be something that I I do myself one day. Um, I know uh, multiple people that have gone through it and speak incredibly highly of it. And there's a guarantee. So (laughs) it sounds like there's, there's very little little risk. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's quite as expensive as you might think. Really? Yeah. So the last thing um, that I'll mention that that I wanted to, to say is like, as a kind of a testament to him knowing what he's talking about and systems, like he said that it only took a few weeks to write this book. You'll hear people say, you know, it took a, it took a year, it took multiple years to write this book. But I, as I was reading the book, I always felt like it was, it was just a, a collection of like a hundred blog posts. And he, he probably he and his team probably had a lot of this content already 
together in various forms. And it was just kind of a no brainer to just kind of package it all up into a book. And it's just a testament to his systems within his business and how quickly they were able to do that, to package up all this content and, uh, and put it together in a book. So, all right. So that was it. Uh, that, that was all your takeaways, David. Yeah. Other than that, I've just, uh, I know that you have your first, uh, next level Q and a of 2020 for your, for your higher level group. And so I'll be getting my beard trimmed during that. So I'll, <laughs> I'll be excited to jump in there and listen to the replay sometime. Cool. Yeah. And I'll have some, uh, I'll have some exciting updates in the next few weeks about the direction that we're going with next level courses in the new year. It's going to be very beneficial to a lot of people, but yeah, that's kind of my inner circle program, about 75 people in there usually do the weekly Q&A with folks in there after you and I record these intros and outros. So I'm excited about that in a few minutes, but stay tuned for more updates on that. So let's get into our calls to action here. Uh, all of our links and show notes from this episode, you can find by going to oc.show slash 165. And look, please guys, if you don't have a copy of this book, or even if you do, if you don't have a physical copy of this book, let's take Austin up on this super generous offer Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the online course show, this very podcast. And you know what? I'm sure if if you, I don't use Apple Podcasts, I I have an Android phone. And so uh, if you want to leave it on Google Podcasts or another podcast platform, I'm going to make an executive decision that that's going to count as well. But the first 20 people that do that, send it over to to him at austin at 2x.co and and then you'll get a free book. You might want to include your your mailing address there so they can send it to you. Uh, I wouldn't mind a physical copy myself because uh, so books like this, I like to go through multiple times, highlight, take notes and whatnot. And you can just go to 2x.co and check out more information about um, about their training programs and, and what they have going on over there. So Dr. K, thanks for joining me here for, for episode 165. Everyone out there listening, thanks for listening to another episode. And thanks again to Austin Netsley for joining me here as well. So that's going to do it for this week. Uh, Once again, oc.show slash 165. Until next time, get out there and make some next level courses with transformation and not just information. Take care, everyone. 